You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org. On this edition of Cornfield Theology, we're here to tell you why you should not plant a church. Well, not really, but really. Yeah. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here, pastor of Redemption Hill Church, located in the Des Moines Metro, more specifically Waukee, Iowa. That's Milwaukee without the M-I-L. Got my friend with Eric with me. Eric, you gave the bio in, in a previous podcast, so if people want to know more, more about you, we just can tell people to go to that one, one that we did on the gospel yeah. and, and biblical justice. But thanks for joining me on this particular podcast. And I'm, I get really fired up. I'm, I got fired up about the last one, but this one I get fired up as well because it's about church planning. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is something that you've engaged in in yes, many ways in the absolutely. past. And we believe that we feel deeply that this is a the biblical model in terms mm-hmm. of advancing the gospel. So if you go to the book of Acts and you kind of step back and you see what God is doing, you know, mm-hmm. we, we read in Acts 1 and then the last verse in Acts 28, it yep. is about the advancement of the kingdom. It's about the teaching of the kingdom. And this yep. is done by dun, 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 church planning. Church planning. Absolutely. So why? Let's start with this question. Why would a guy consider planting a church? Hmm. The Great Commission. Um, there are more people out there, from what I understand, who don't have a church. Um, and if everybody tomorrow wanted to go to church, they would not have a church to go to. And so because of that, among many other things, we are mobilized to plant churches, um, particularly in places where people either don't have access to or we see opportunity for or we sense God's call to plant a church. Yeah. Um, it's not for a job. This is the Great Commission. Yeah. And it is the, from what I understand, probability wise, it is the most successful way to reach the unchurched and the unsaved. Yeah. And and so how does it, how does it, uh, so we're complementarians. So let's mm-hmm. we'll use the language of men are called to be pastors mm-hmm. and to be lead planters. And certainly mm-hmm. there's a team that could join. That could be Absolutely. Men and women. How does an, a man... Um, not a young boy. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Uh, begin to process whether he is called. Mm. Like there's several layers of calling. Absolutely. And, and, and here, here are my thoughts, and then maybe you want to chime in. There's the internal calling from the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to go and uh, go to a particular area mm-hmm. and lay down roots and preach the gospel. Yep. So there's that. There's an external calling as well. And so if you're in a local church, which if you're going to plan a local church, you better be coming out of a local church. Right. And there's an affirmation there. And hopefully it's from your elders or however mm-hmm. your polity works out. We have elders. And they're saying, yes, this guy is called to go and plant this church in XYZ city or town or field, whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, preach the gospel. Yeah. Any other categories of calling you would say? Yeah, I think there's there's burden there. If I could use that, and that could probably sound subjective, but no, I no, think not at all. if you are not engaged in pursuing souls right where you are, um, how are you called to plant a church when in reality what you're doing by planting a church is you're you're getting the place in which you're going to call people to Christ and then disciple them. You're going to make disciples. You know, this is a really good point because it, it requires a person to be present. Yeah. There's too much uh, people romanticize about what they want to be when they grow up or whatever, or I'm going to do this, you know, exactly. be this great thing. Like, no, if God is calling you to plant a church, 
and for me it was in the Des Moines metro in particular in Waukee mm-hmm. I need I need to be present here for those right. people and I needed a, that burden to get me there right mm-hmm. not this romantic view that you know this church is going to grow to a thousand people within the first year kind of nonsense right exactly it's no it's much bigger and deeper than that yeah and it's not about me mm-hmm. it's about God that's right too often um, church planning is done with a now this is really trying to get the heart of people and what they understand, but too many people are more focused on themselves than they are mm-hmm. about who God is and getting the message right. of the gospel out. Right. Exactly. So wh- why have you been interested in church planning over the years? You've told me some stories about um, church plants you engaged in. Mm-hmm. Why is that a something that's that, that you've looked at and you've identified but like, this is something we need to do beyond, beyond like, we see this in the book of Acts. Yeah. So I, I think it's two things. So, so number one, I, I was exposed through church planting through the, you know, YR, Young, Restless and Reform, getting exposed to Acts 29, yep. particularly learning of the ministry of Eric Mason in North Philly, um, and then reading the Bible with new eyes. Um, but before I was ever into church planting, I was just into winning souls. Mm. I would preach outreach missions, um, homeless outreach. I would preach on the corners. Uh, from 2006 through, I don't know, 2009, I, I preached on the Ben Franklin Parkway in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, just engaging in gospel and apologetics was just a big thing for me. But what you see in Acts is this pattern where the gospel is preached, people are saved, they're placed in spiritual communities, and elders are appointed. Yeah. And many times there give that is... Or, give that order again. Yeah, the, the gospel is preached, yep. souls are saved, yep. they, they are discipled, placed yep. into communities, and elders are appointed. Okay. Um, so we, we see a process. Absolutely. And, and and it's not necessarily a cookie cutter process either, but it's a trajectory where we want people in spiritually safe communities. Yeah. And so it's how do we go about that? Well, well we're not saving them and saying, now go in peace. You pray the prayer. Um, but it's we want to teach you to obey everything Christ has commanded. But we want to watch out for your souls. I think that was Paul's burden. And so it was we're going to we're going to appoint elders. And that may happen different ways. In some networks, they're they're having external elders until some can be trained up. In other places, a group has already gone out that will function as elders. But the idea is, overall, we want a a spiritually safe and strong community for people to grow in their knowledge of the Lord and in their obedience of Him. So, short rabbit trail here. Mm -hmm. Uh, You keep using the word safe? Yeah. What do you mean by you're qualifying it? Yeah. So, why qualify with the word safe? Um, Because in that sense... One of the things that separates the church from a parachurch organization is their spiritual leadership. There, there needs to be people who are appointed to care for the souls of the member, to guard them from error, um, to help them judge in matters of, of, of even, you know, I gave an example in the church earlier um, of issues between marriages and, and custody and, you know, things that need to be worked out. There needs to be spiritual oversight. To right. put it that way. Right. So when I say safe, I'm talking about somebody having the responsibility to care for those souls beyond just one person. I'm really pointing at a plurality of elders yeah. um, that can care for one another. Um, that's moving away from the celebrity pastor model, right. specifically. I don't. I don't think that that is safe, and we're seeing that now. Right. So yeah, in, yeah, it, yeah. that's how I qualify safe um, in terms of spiritual community. And so for me what I saw was it's a challenge sometimes, or let me put it in a positive way. It's an opportunity to plant where you can grow 
a certain type of cultivated community. Yeah. It's one thing to go out and evangelize college students. It's another to try to bring them into a traditional church environment that's across the city. Mm-hmm. When you could plant in University City, um, such as you know Ian McConnell, who we know, and you know others yeah. who have done it, and reach them right where they are, and teach them and 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 develop them right there in that community. Yeah, it's interesting because this gets to contextualization. Yeah, right? it does. And, and so, like how how a church is planted in in Philly is very different than the Des Moines Metro, for yeah. example. We talked about this before, and and some conversations we've had how Philly is very neighborhood driven, or mm-hmm. you know there are certain areas and boundaries. Here, it's like if you look at a, a map of the suburbs in the mm-hmm. Des Moines Metro, and I use this example a lot. It's like a drunk guy at an Irish bar had a crayon and a napkin and he just had a couple colors and he started creating boundaries. They make no absolute sense. Right. So there's less sense of identity here in yeah. terms of I live in Waukee or I live in West Des Moines or I live in whatever. Right. Um, maybe some high school affiliation. But beyond that, it, there is no affiliation. So, right. you know, our our range is much broader. We got folks living in Ankeny at our church and in Waukee and Adele and, and they're mm. all driving in. Yeah. But that works here. It doesn't sound like I would work in a place like Philly where it's very, very different. Yeah. It's very different. And we also, I, I think, and I, I'll be honest for years, I was of the opinion, um, if my church is around town or in the next city over, if that's the church I like to go to, I'm going to go there. Um, but as I study scripture and I see that there's, there's really a, a necessity for me to be at work in the community I'm at. It's very hard to be very at work where I'm at and going to the church that's an hour away. Whereas if I'm invested in the church that's in my community, um, now we have a chance to really do life with people and see the gospel bear fruit right where I'm at. It's a mm-hmm. whole lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, to that degree, I think for me, church planting came into that. Because um, you, you always have that conversation where the person says, well, what if there's not a healthy church in my community? Well, maybe you can be a part of helping a church to yeah, plant right. there. Yeah. Um, you know, that's on one hand. And, you know, when you look at traditional environments, there are some, and I do believe, unlike some others, that there are some men who are gifted and called to be in a traditional church environment. Because um, I've had this debate with a lot of people where they say church planting is all we should pursue and not, you know, traditional churches, leave them alone. Um, I think that's throwing the baby out with the bathwater. There are some who can go into an established environment and thrive. Yeah, and there are others. Viable. Yeah. There's others who just have a certain. Um, so you're talking about like church revitalization. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. And and I've heard a lot of people in many networks say that's not anything that we should be pursuing. And and I disagree with that. Um, you have so much opportunity from those churches and even to make those over into. And we've seen it even um, through partnerships like Nine Marks. I've heard of places where they didn't have plurality of elders. So, you know, somebody was retiring and they were able to bring in someone who was able to grow and shift that culture to a you know, multiplied elder model where they were able to become a sending church and sending church plants out. Yeah. Then there's other guys that are kind of like Paul. They could plant, stay there for 18 months, go somewhere to plant, and and that's just their makeup. And I think there's room for all of that in the body of Christ. And so as you examine your makeup and the opportunities around you, I think that's where it becomes clear, um, you know, where you should go and, and how long you should uh, pursue that. We yeah. are. And so the, the challenges with like planning a church as opposed to church revitalization are totally different. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you could have a church that is dead and you come in and you, you need to be there for years, a decade yeah, before you might see some change. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with a church plant. But those, again, those challenges are different. Yeah. 
you, changing a culture is like changing um, a barge on the Mississippi River. Yeah. It takes a long time. It does. It takes a long time. You need to be committed to the long-term change. Yeah. Uh, church planning is different in the sense that you can create culture from the beginning. Yep. But here's the thing. You better get that right from the beginning. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You'd better. I mean, I thought a lot about that before we planted Redemption of Church, you know, mm-hmm. in 2000, you know, 2018. So we're coming up on three years. What kind, I'm, I'm, I'm setting the tone. Yeah. I'm setting the culture here. Right. What is that going to look like? Because that's going to impact us five years, 10 years down the road. Absolutely. And so that, that matters. Mm-hmm. So different challenges with revitalization as opposed to church planning. Now, mm-hmm. another thing I would point out regarding my own experience is that I, I think planning in teams mm-hmm. is the best way forward. Now, I'm not saying it can't happen in other ways. Right. Um, guys being dropped into the middle of whatever city because they feel called to it might be very genuine mm-hmm. who build a team from you know just evangelism. Yeah. Yeah, I'm cool with that too. But I think if you want health as quick as possible, right? you go with teams. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have this luxury, but you go with plurality. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, it, it didn't work out for us, and we're moving toward that in our church right now. Um, but speak toward the importance of teams, having going with a, a team of people. And, 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 and by the way, I'll add this, going out with a team of people has allowed me to say, this is not my church plant. Exactly. This is, I know, I know it's God's church plant, Yeah. but God is using all of us. It takes, it takes the focus off me. Now I'm yeah. the lead church planner. I'm the lead pastor. I get all that. Mm-hmm. And there's responsibility with that that I take seriously. Absolutely. But man, I talk about my friends, the Andersons, the Canes, the Wetzels, the Danielsons. I think about, I'm, I'm naming people who have moved down to the Des Moines Metro from the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. And this is, we've done this together. Exactly. So yeah. talk more about just the importance of the team dynamic. Yeah, it, it's not only humbling for the, for the lead. I think there's two things. Number one, if you are a married planting pastor, um, your first priority is your home and your family. Yeah. Um, and it's very hard when you're trying to lead the show on your own um, and at the same time dragging along your wife, maybe your kids too. Yeah. Um, it is helpful to shift it. But if the church is a body, um, there are gifts that come with a team. There are people who can do things you may not be able to do. Oh, totally- and and too often we think, I've got the fivefold gifts, you know, and, and <laughs> you think you can do it all, but you are one person who is limited and finite. And when you see the body at work, it is beautiful. It is awesome. And, and I think that's our burden when you're planting is you want, you want people in the team exercising their faith, exercising their gifts to grow and disciple other people. Mm-hmm. Um, also, as you're reaching others, there's only so much that my wife is going to be able to do with three young ladies that are coming. But if we have a team, we have some women that can can work with them. We have different age groups. I think one of the blessings for church plants, if you can get you some seasoned saints there, yes, yes. Um, it's good for counseling. It's good for your faith. To have some people that because there is spiritual warfare with church planting yeah, and you need some people who've been through some stuff that can even help you to walk through the stuff you're going to go through yeah. and so i i couldn't overstate it. it it may not always be the the case where you can have a team but when you can you know wisdom says go with it you know yeah, if yeah. jesus could send them out in twos um we can send out people in in teams or at least groups of elders and their families yeah yeah i've benefited we a lot of folks who initially planted with us were my age or younger. Yeah. So I'm 40 now. So I planned when I was 37, I guess. And then, um, but shortly thereafter, we had some older folks come along and join the church, join, join the church plant. Mm-hmm. And I cannot tell you the instant blessing that became for Absolutely. so many of us who are able, whether it's interacting on Sunday or all of a sudden them inviting us into their homes. Um, I think about one couple in particular that I, you know, look up to and say, oh, you're in your 60s. 
and you've seen it all. And uh-huh. um, I'm going to, I'm going to allow you to speak into my life because I know sometimes I'm not seeing it clearly. Exactly. So whether it's right away or shortly thereafter, whatever the dynamic might be, you know, if you're a young planter, look for that dynamic, look, pray mm-hmm. for the, I, w- I was praying for that type of dynamic, that type yeah. of diversity, generational diversity exactly. within our church, because I knew that it was going to help us long-term as a church body. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's actually one area of diversity we don't talk much about. Right. That's really important. Yeah. You know, that generational diversity. Super important. <laughs> well, it's not, it's, it's important because, well, it's not, it's, it's not talked about anymore. It's not spoken about. It's, right. it's like, how do we get all the hip, cool couples exactly with young kids you know and that's all the church is that's the assumption we need that and we don't need grandparents yeah and and that's a very faulty assumption and i don't think that's just how god makes up his church if you can if you can get them and that's also part of the makeup of churches that send churches is you're in that uh, missional environment already where it's it's being cultivated to have a heart for uh planting when you have people who are seasoned and they may not be older in age but have been walking in the lord longer yeah those people have a certain benefit that That's you need to care for you. Um, and so maybe they're 35, but they've been walking with the Lord. They're, you know, their parents were missionaries and they've been with the Lord since they were 14. That's going to help you mm. as you're going in. And you may have a person who's only been a Christian for two or three years. Both have unique calls and gifts. And, and one person's personality may be, you know, you have that energy of the new believers where they can go in and they want to do everything. <laughs> and you have the season say who says, well, maybe we should be patient. patient. That's yeah. a good tension Absolutely. that you have there. You want the energy of the new one. You want the wisdom of the experienced one. And that's going to help um, to make a very healthy community. Yeah. You, you mentioned the word tension. I think that's something that needs to be embraced more and more. Yeah. Embrace the tension that might exist in teams. Yeah. Absolutely. I know early on and I was, I think, I don't know if I was talking with you or, or my wife, um, earlier, and you guys are very different. I <laughs> just don't know where I was we at are, the conversation. We are very different. <laughs> um, but I was talking about how even before we planted, the there's a core. We had a core. We had a we had a team, and then we had a smaller team that kind of made Sundays go. And we met every Sunday at a mm-hmm. caribou around the same table, or every Monday, every Monday night, talking about how we're going to build, how we're going to grow spiritually speaking, you know, how do we get the word out and just, just throwing around ideas about what about this? What It's like throwing spaghetti in the wall, that whole idea of mm-hmm. some of it sticks and great. You run with it. Some of it yeah. falls. You're like, okay, don't throw that noodle again. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I like the way you said that. Don't, don't do that again. That's not going to work. <laughs> I got to tell you, those were some of the most precious times I've had Yeah, is those Monday evening meetings with those saints. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, with that, by the way, came mm-hmm. the laughing the yeah. joking, the crying, mm-hmm. the caring, yeah. really being the body of Christ. So there's something sweet, something really Absolutely. special about planning with a small group of people mm-hmm. who are on the same mission, who are carrying that vision with you yeah. um, to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's good to have an open hand because there's some people who may be on your team that won't be there for the long haul. Yeah, There's some that may come and they're with you a year. They're yeah. with you a year and a half, but they, they provide so much value. Yeah. And then they're called on and they move on to the next mission or church plan. And and it's important to see all that comes from God, you yeah. know, and you let it go. But um, as you're starting, you'll remember that you have great memories, like you just mm. said, of that because you dream together. You hear me say that a lot. Yeah. And, and I use that in my home. It is so good to dream with other people. Yes. You know, they're edifying. You're bringing something to the table. And now you, you're reached at the heart level. So as you're trying to make disciples, you're kind of being discipled as people are edifying you. Yeah, that whole idea of dreaming together is so important. 
Yeah. And I think to some degree, and I haven't asked the question pointedly, but that's what we were doing on those Monday nights. Mm-hmm. Just kind of dreaming together, thinking of ideas, that's it. you know. And obviously I was leading, I was doing my best to lead, but they were, they were participating to the, to the hilt. And it was, it was some, like I said, some of my best memories. Yeah. What are some challenges to you talk about some tensions, right? And those are naturally going to exist. What are some challenges for a guy who's thinking about church planning? What are some pitfalls to going forward in a church plan? I think of one right away. And I remember just from being in seminary, mm-hmm. I felt like every guy felt called to be a church planner. Yeah, and then the seminary I was going to was part of a particular denomination that allowed every guy with a pulse to go plant a church, mm-hmm. and it's like you shouldn't even be in seminary, right? <laughs> exactly. Know? And yeah. so I think one pitfall is maybe not for an individual, but just more denominationally, is that we are we too eager to send some networks or some denominations too yeah. eager to send unqualified men yeah. to go plant a church. That is, in some cases, the norm. And I was going to say there's an internal and an external tra- threat. Um, sometimes it's from the network, from those who are giving money, from those who are part of the denomination. The idea is we really want to see a church planted. So we'll take a man, any man that wants to go and send him. And so I think there, there's one pitfall there is where that man hasn't been properly discipled himself goes out. And sometimes you're going out to produce what you were lacking in your home church. Mm-hmm. And so now you're on a mission and the mission isn't to see people who, who are formed to look like Christ. Instead, you want to build a culture that you lacked. And now you want to get the love you didn't get from the church you were just in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, you know, Larry Smith once said to me in Philly, he said, um, you take with you the DNA of the culture you're at, yeah. you know, and sometimes if the DNA isn't right, you might feel called to go. It just might not be the season. And so you, those external circumstances play a role. I think too often um, networks and, and those who are supplying financial resources are having too much of a say. So that's the external. And then internally, it's just not moving in God's timing. Right. There's, there's certain seasons where you've got to start small and you have it in your living room for months. And then there's a time where you can start moving into a coffee shop or uh, renting a theater or a school. And if you're too ambitious, um, which usually because we've been doing this for a long time, everybody's wondering, when are we moving to the next step? You're going to move so fast, you're going to hurt yourself. Um, That and then also just neglecting your family. Um, I've seen a lot of situations where folks were just exasperated because normally you see how everybody's doing except your spouse. And and that's, that's a big barometer to... How are things going with the church? How often are you having dinner with your family at home yeah. and having time with your kids? If it's not there, something needs to shift. I, I would even say like the most important voice other than the Holy Spirit in, in the church planner's life is a spouse. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. And you need to pay attention to what your spouse is saying to you. Yeah. Uh, my wife is wonderful at identifying pitfalls that might be going currently in my life or distance maybe between her and I or me and the kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she'd be like, dude, you, you mean you need to make adjustments in your schedule. I don't care how you do it. Mm-hmm. But she reminds me, this is the most important thing right here. Right. Your relationship with God and then the family. Because far too often the family is put on the the, the, uh, the cutting floor yeah. uh, for church planning or just being a pastor. Yeah, and, exactly. And I, that's a different podcast for another day. I got mm-hmm. a lot of thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's unfortunate. Yes, and it it's is. damaging too many families. You know, part of my story for church planning is I was in seminary between 2007, 2010 mm-hmm. um, in North Carolina and uh, loved it, wanted to join a church plant, wanted to plant right away. Mm-hmm. And I got out of seminary 
and there was no church plant. Mm -hmm. There was a secular job. Worked it for about three, three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And then after that, got called on staff to uh, a team of elders. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until four years after that when yeah. I planted a church. And then mm -hmm. I look back in that experience, and I'm not saying everyone has to map their experience onto mine. Right. Of course. I'm saying some things that I've learned is that being patient, as we've already said, is really important. Mm -hmm. um, also, I realized in retrospect, I was entirely mature. I was mm -hmm. very immature. Right. And the, the season of life that prepared me most for planning a church was probably when I had that secular job, mm -hmm. working three and a half years, just trying to faithfully serve my family, provide you know, food, uh, get a roof over the head, you know, that, that whole thing. Yeah. And, but also engaging with non-believers, non-Christians on a daily basis. Yep. And what was crazy, I did a ton of evangelism and pastoring mm -hmm. in that context. Mm -hmm. Now the, the advantage I had for me at the time is like, oh, you, you went to seminary? Right. You must know God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you know, where I was at, that, that card worked mm -hmm. and it, it was, it was, it was a, it was an honor for me and a privilege to be able to care for so many people in my employment um, as yeah. a, as a, just as a follower of Jesus Christ. I learned so much about pastoral ministry and church planning before even getting into the door of a, of a you know, a church office. Exactly. There's so much to our experience beforehand, but I also think that's why the goal for established churches. So, so let me, hands down, we have to say if you're either going or you're sending, Right. I think that's the two categories when it comes to the mission, um, yeah. you know, the, the Great Commission within a church. It's not that church over there plants, um, because I think what sets a lot of guys behind is they haven't been in an environment where people are planting. They haven't heard right. the stories. They haven't really been able to assess themselves against another standard. And you were talking about, you know, earlier in a previous podcast that we did that in Philly, like the way you plant, at least in, in the black church, the way mm -hmm. that churches are planted is that with a church split. Yeah. That's what it is. A guy gets upset. How come I haven't been ordained yet? And he gets 10 or 15 people, the same age. They go, they rent out a storefront and they got church for about seven or eight months until, you know, something happens or somebody got pregnant or they split. And that's how it ends. And that was always the, the routine. I will say, and despite, you know, differences aside, um, I think Eric Mason changed that narrative in the last decade in the 2008, 2009 in Philadelphia, yeah. in Camden. Yeah. Um, that idea that you could come in in a healthy way, get started, nurture um, families, young men, church leaders, and then say, we're going to take our best because this takes faith to say, we're going to take our best people, our musicians and all, and send them to plant. And we're going to start over with not nothing, but, you know, we're going to start over fresh here at the yeah. sending church. Yeah, yeah. Um, that really shows that affirms a planter in a certain way where he can go out and feel affirmed. Um but then also, even before that, you know, I think it's John 11. Jesus says, you know, unless a, uh, you know, a, a, a kernel of wheat, you know, plants in the ground and dies, it abides alone. You have to be planted where you are before you're sent. Mm. Um, and, and I think a lot of times somebody's at the, the, the ministry of the church where God has them, but they're so anxious to plant. They haven't made an investment where they are. They haven't invested in time with their pastor. They haven't invested in ministry there. Like make that church strong right where you are. And hopefully you're in a place where they're going to send you out at a certain time. And and so if you get that culture there, what happens is you're you're much better suited to know when it's time to go because you've heard all the stories. And you may feel ambitious because you've heard those stories, but you've also heard of the warfare, the heartache. Yeah. You know, you've got people letting you know when you go, we're here to support you. 
I think there's a level of external team that is necessary that you can fall. Because sometimes when you're planting, there are things you're going to say to people who are not part of your immediate team Mm -hmm. that where you could just vent and you don't want to say to your team. (laughs) You know, it usually starts with I'm scared or, um, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. And when you can go to someone else outside of that context, it helps, especially if that is one of your elders or your pastor. Um, I think for me, that was the thing that was 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 the most uh, saddest piece was I came from a church that didn't send me out. They let me go, but it wasn't one of those. We're going to stay connected with you and we want right. to be connected. And that happens in a lot of the African-American context where it's like, OK, you want to go? You can go. Um, let us know how you're doing. Send us a postcard. So we, we, <laughs> we who do have churches, we have to create that environment where we cultivate um, based on you know, the first and second Timothy based on Titus, we just cultivate men, regardless of whether they're called to plant and let the Holy Spirit do what he'll do. Mm-hmm. Some are just going to be a good family man and take care of his home and his church is great. Others are going to be deacons and elders and some will be planters. Let the Holy Spirit do that. But let's cultivate that environment where we love, affirm, care and send. Mm-hmm. You know, if we do that, I think the planters will be at less risk of either being overly ambitious or overly scared. Yeah. The church that sent us out um, was in the Twin Cities and one thing that I appreciated was the lead pastor there, mm-hmm. you know, affirmed it. And we're, we're still good friends today. Mm-hmm. Usually it's baseball banter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> back and forth. He's a, a Cardinals fan, which is so crappy. But anyways. I, I we got to send him a copy of this. So. Yeah, no, I'll, get, I'll let him know. Be like, hey, you, you mentioned you, man, because you're a Cardinals fan. There you go. But that that mean that meant the world to me, mm-hmm. um, knowing that he believed in me. Mm-hmm. And he believed what God was doing in me. Yeah, you know, exactly. More, more, that's the right way to say it. And yeah, so. I need that. Uh, that 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 matters, and I think the other thing is, as you kind of go back to the team thing, when you, when you're kind of on the ground and the boots are on the ground, we realize we're all in it together, and the team also sees what God is doing in the particular church plant. Yeah, and there's and it, there's a maturity there. Yep. There, there's certainly things are being forged by fire to some degree because in our case it was new for everyone. Yeah. We're like we're doing what? Uh, we're planning a church. Anyone has anyone done this? Raise your hand. All right, no hands. Right. <laughs> you know. Um, but we see God, we saw that God was in it nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's, that's a, that's a, an ex, an, it's a feeling and a knowledge that is unlike others that I've ever had before Yeah, to see God building his church, new and disciples, he, new, new people. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we get to get to be a part of his mission yep. of God building his church. It is Cause, amazing because far too often everyone's trying to build their own little kingdom. You talk exactly. about celebrity culture. I honestly get to say one thing on that. Oftentimes, the people that are called celebrity pastors, right? They they didn't. Their followers are the ones who <laughs> make them that. Yeah, yeah. Not all exactly. the time, but sometimes that that's the case. Yep. But Agreed. that but that's there, and I think church planning it's a very humbling experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you trying to do a lot, you know, with very little. Yeah, you're trying to do Sunday with not all the resources that the mega church exactly. has. You're doing everything yourself. You do. Oh, I would say from a church planning perspective, I'm the jack of all trades and the master of none. Mm-hmm. That's a really frustrating idea for me. That's right. Yeah, but but that's the reality because I want to do that. I want to be really good at like two things. You know, right? <laughs> but that's, you're that, gonna do it all. <laughs> but but that's that's the humbling part. Yes, it is. And that's the refining part for me as an individual too. Like, I have to admit my weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And bring them before the Lord and then ask the question, what do I do now? Yeah. And sometimes it's it's going to another person being like, you know, I know you're really strong in this area. I'm not. And I have to be willing to give something up mm-hmm. um, and say, can you do this? 
Yeah. And sometimes it's realizing like one thing I would say I, I've gone out of my way to do is if I'm weak in administration, what are tools that I can use mm-hmm. in order to shore up that particular weakness? Yeah. You know, and so it takes some strategy um, and it takes being willing to change too. Yep. And be flexible um, because when you plan a church, it does not go as you initially thought. Never. Never. Yeah. Because you're not God. <laughs> and and, it, and it, it exists. That environment exists for your sanctification also. Absolutely. And so there are things that happen to stretch your faith. And I think that's also why it's important that even when you're planting to be connected with local churches and even other planters. Yeah. That's I, I, I can say um, Matt Townsend is a, a planter in King of Prussia right outside of Philly. And he's a guy I've gotten to know. And I remember even hearing on the radio when they were going to plant. You know, I don't know, almost a decade ago. But every time I talk to him, there's some great encouragement. And as a man, this is one of the things that's challenging. We're so tied to mission. We're not always tied to people in the right way. Yeah. And when I would talk to Matt, he would always end the conversation with just let me know, hey, man, I love you. And that's something that was powerful for me. Yeah. Because I'm I'm tired, I'm empty. And it's kind of like you're saying, I want to see myself in a certain role as a planner. I want to empower people and they're doing the work. And I have those two or three things I do and it's good. And mm-hmm. instead, I'm all over the place. The kids are screaming on the way home. We've got a crock pot in the back that's spilling. <laughs> you know, there's all this stuff happening and I'm just tired. Yeah. And it does help to have, um, and I think evangelicals struggle with this, another man who comes along and just says, you're doing such a great work. I love you so much, man. Yeah. You know, locally here, I, there's two pastors in particular, um, Michael Mudloff of West Creek Presbyterian, Nick Lees up at Harvest Bible Chapel in Grimes. They are men that I have looked up to and that we I get together with on the regular to encourage and be encouraged. Mm-hmm. And these are guys that I want to do gospel mission with. Right. They're not territorial. Mm-hmm. You know, they're about the gospel. Right. And I think that's another thing that not only you have to get over as a church planner who's now into it for a few years Mm -hmm. don't be territorial yeah and i think this is my area how how could how could there be another church exactly coming to my area yeah i mean it's a false teaching church then that frustrates me but if it yeah but but if they're preaching the gospel man may the lord bless that endeavor yeah and i think evangelicalism if you want to use the term i got hang-ups with it personally um if you want to use the term they struggle with that territorial thing absolutely and they'll find ways to to carve out their territory and try to keep you out of it. And shortcut the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Because regardless of denominations, there may be a kindred that we have across churches or across denominations where we have the essentials down and we may come together and God do something amazing with us. And so it's like, you know, we've got to be able to start seeing the, the mission field as the Holy Spirit's because when someone's broken and hurt, they don't care if you're evangelical or not. You know, there is a whole mission and there's room for everybody to do work. Yeah. It's just if we're and that's where you, you can dream together with other pastors, right, you know, right. and it may be a time where I'm just I'm dreaming with Logan and he's throwing out his vision. And I'm saying, yeah, here's what I like to do. And you never know what collaboration can bring about. Yeah. We need to leave ourselves open for that, because if it's God's church and not ours, I'm OK with letting go. Yeah. But as long as this is my church, those are my deacons, that creates a whole lot of issues that, that drive people out, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's very self-focused. Yeah. It's very absolutely. self-focused. It's not kingdom-focused. You keep using keep this idea of keep, uh, being open-handed. Um, long-time friend, John Bloom of Desiring God, taught me this a while ago. Mm-hmm. Be you, Use this with people. Be open-handed. Yeah, absolutely. You know, with people or even your own church because it's not yours. Exactly. And so be willing to lay 
everything before the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and let the Lord be the one who builds the church. That's right. Uh, far too often, it's you know Sean Powers, you know Pastor DeJore who's building their church, yeah. and, and that's a temptation because you know mm-hmm. as a lead pastor, I'm doing all. <laughs> I'm not all the work, but I'm doing a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's like, well, how? Can, of course, it's my church. <laughs> yeah. You know, no, it's not. It's not. You have the privilege. It's your responsibility. <laughs> it's your responsibility. Yes, uh, to be on God's mission. But it's not yours. The other thing I would add is in terms of um, thinking through guys who might be thinking about church planning is qualifications. Mm-hmm. I'm not one to think that I disconnect the pastorate from the church planner. Mm-hmm. I think if you're going to plan a church, you're a pastor. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. The reason why I think of it that way is because you're doing pastoral functions. Mm-hmm. You're preaching. You're counseling. Yep. You're caring. Some denominations want to make that distinction. Mm-hmm. I, I can't get there. And maybe either. maybe there's a place for it somewhere that I'm not aware of. Okay, we can talk about that. But right. as far as I see it. So if that's the case, then First Timothy 3, Titus 1 matter. Mm-hmm. What are the qualifications for pastoral ministry in general? Right. And then we can talk about planning a church. Exactly. Um, so don't get the cart before the horse type of thing. Exactly. That's why I say we have the disciple men according to that standard. Regardless of where the Holy Spirit is going to take them. I yeah. think sometimes we focus on people who we think he's got the gift because they came to our church and they actually like the Bible. So he must be called to ministry. Yeah. And it's like, no, he just wants to be a really good husband. And he enjoys studying theology. Yeah. That doesn't mean everybody's called to be a pastor. But when you're discipling, now you can see how that unfolds. Um, and there's no pressure to say because too many groups are pushing people out to to plant, plant, plant. And you don't know who it'll be the least person you think of that's called to do it. Right. Um, and I think in this era, we're seeing more of those indigenous folks who are rising up, who the Lord is gifting and calling and using. You wouldn't think it because they didn't finish seminary or they didn't go to seminary at all. You know, they, they work, they're by vocation or a tent maker, but they've got the heart, the skill and the character to do it. Mm-hmm. And you didn't expect that. We need to open ourselves up to that because yeah. we're missing out on a lot of opportunity in at least urban church planning. Yeah. And I think especially with urban church planning, and I make this comment based upon conversations we've had. You need to be creative too, yeah. like bivocational mm-hmm. situations, you know, just because of the financial, you know, makeup of the church or whatever. Yeah. Um, we have to be more creative. It doesn't mean you give up on polity. Right. Um, right. It just means you need to contextualize a little bit of how to do this, say exactly. in Philly or West Philly, Northeast Philly, or, you know, urban Des Moines to rural mm-hmm. parts of Iowa. Yep. Uh, contextualizations matter. Frankly, if you're going to plant in rural Iowa, chances are, you're going to be bivocational because mm-hmm. it's the same financial dynamic. Yeah, exactly. As an urban area. Yeah. It's like, well, you got 50 people here. Uh, half of them are on welfare. Mm-hmm. And the other half have a $16 an hour job. Right. Yeah. It's just. You're not getting a full-time salary there. Yeah, exactly. So in nor, nor benefits and whatever else have you. Exactly. So the creative component is really important. Uh, and that leads to the contextualization uh, component. Uh, any final thoughts on counseling a guy who's thinking about church planning i big mac listen, I'm, big down. mac I'm, I'm listening i'm talking to you <laughs> i meet you on the streets of philadelphia I, there's me. two guys that i hope to meet on the streets of philadelphia because the, number one even before i meet the guy who might plant i want to meet the pastor who feels like he's not having anything to do with planting 
Um, because I think in a long, a large sense, we need to be collaborating. And also this could also bring racial reconciliation. There are churches outside of Philly who could partner for the gospel with some of those plants mm-hmm. in Philly. Yeah, that's good. And there are certain churches that have resources and I don't mean just financial, but they have facilities, they have elders, they have others. If I were to plant, you know, I've spent some time with uh, Windsor Baptist that's far outside of Philly. Uh, ben O'Toole's a pastor here, does a lot of stuff with Simeon Trust. I'm making him help me out. I'm making that because they they have a heart for mission. They're going to be a part. They don't even have to know. I'm telling them they're going to be a part of it. Um, (laughs) And so that's the pastor I want to meet because there are a lot of pastors, by and large, in traditional environments who don't have a heart for planting. And they Mm -hmm. feel like those guys are against me and competing with me. I want to meet a lot of those guys. I want white, black, whatever. If you're suburban, rural, let's come together and collaborate on a church plant. So that's the first guy I want to meet. But if I'm sitting with a guy, which in two weeks i'm actually sitting with two guys to talk about this and i i want to hear more of his heart and what he's doing right now Mm. um you can't just dream for the future and you're doing nothing in the present i think it's like jeremiah there's fire in your bones you might not be preaching anywhere maybe it's just devotional you have with your wife you want to teach sunday school but you're doing something yeah and we we need to hear that before we start telling guys you you're called for this. We need to hear it. where's this burden? What's going on? How's that burden working out right now? Because a call to preach is a call to study. Mm. And so if you're not growing in that, I'm just gonna listen and probably say, okay, you got a little bit more time, man. Yeah, yeah. And that's gonna bother somebody. But I would rather not endorse mess or it's just you know you're rushing. I I don't want to endorse selfish ambition. You got to be at work right where you are. Right. You know I I've been. I left one church plant, came back to Grace City Church of the Northeast. That's my church. I don't know what God's going to do next. But for now, when I'm there, that's my church. I see trash on the ground. I'm going to clean it up because I want to be on mission because I may not live to see the day when I plant another church. And so that's what I want to see. And I'm going to counsel another guy to grow relationships and and be faithful with their learn the word and now for me in my context it's almost always going to be a bivocational guy who either went to school or is trying to go but can't and so i'm always going to be on them about getting to Simeon trust and studying and leading and finding ways to lead people to christ yeah. so that's always going to be you know my counsel and and what we're going to work through together yes yeah, so the, the idea i was talking about earlier being present yeah be present right where you're at all the time be yeah. at work right where you're at all the time that, that's not it's not to say you can't dream right you should but your dreams shouldn't take you out of the present god hits a moving target yeah you can't just be sitting there <laughs> god what do you want me to do noah was building the ark yeah. for a long time before <laughs> yeah, it right was and you need to be building something if anything building your family um because we're making disciples you can be making disciples right in the church where you're at and right you're not home, doing that yeah exactly yeah it needs to be done and if it's not happening i'm going you got time for Twitter, but you don't have time for, you know, um, growing other men or anything like that. It's going to be. I'm going to tweet that real quick. There you go. Hashtag. <laughs> hashtag. <laughs> hashtag. I hashtags. Well, I can say uh, from my experience, uh, church planning is a, a wonderful endeavor. Absolutely. God is on Thank mission. God, to re- God is on mission to redeem his people through Jesus Christ. Um, I do believe that is the message of the Bible. That is the mission of the church. And that is what the church needs to be doing. Part of the. A way the church does that is to plant more churches. That's right. And to get on that mission, to, to have, have God's mission to be part of your own vision mm-hmm. is a wonderful thing. And I can't tell you how blessed I've been by the folks who've joined me mm-hmm. in God's church um, to plant Redemption Church. And mm-hmm. 
going through a pandemic, by the way, we mean touch like what yeah. does it mean to plant a church and then go through a pandemic? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you earned gray hairs for that. Oh, I was just looking the other day in my beard. I'm like, oh, there's gray coming in. I'm blaming them the pandemic. There you go. People blame kids. People blame other people. That's that COVID. I'm taking take a uh, COVID stand is doing it to me. Yeah. But anyways, I digress. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to be part of a church plant. It is. It's, it's hard. Privilege. I tell our folks all the time. I said this since day one. It's hard work, mm-hmm. but it's good work. Yeah, it's hard, but it's good. It's hard because it's there's things to do. It's yep. good because we see God's in it, and we're on God's mission. The pay sucks, but the retirement benefits are out of this world. Yeah, that's and right. So, you know, Matt, Matt Townsend used to tell me um, church planting is like I think I told you you're, you're digging out your house when it snows really bad, and a plow <laughs> comes back and just knocks all the snow back. <laughs> that's church planting. And you get, stay and you, at it, and you get the shovel out, and you, and you keep, keep. And hopefully, some people help you. Yeah, but that's that's church planning. You have to. It's a long obedience in the same direction, and over time, it is for your own good to sanctify you. Yeah, and I'm hoping that I'll leave this world supporting church planning and and strengthening others in that work. Well, you supported our church plant by preaching faithfully the word to our church um, recently, and then doing these podcasts, these few podcasts with us. Mm-hmm. So, thank you for supporting us in this way. And then making the drive yeah. from Philly. 1,012 miles. 1,012 miles. Yeah. So let's get some offering going. Now I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, I'm just going to steal it for a minute. I love that we have a denomination that ties us so close together, even though we're across the country. Totally agree. You know, it's like, I think it was me and Logan talking. It's like, is everybody on the East Coast? bunch of pennsylvania people then there's iowa and texas and north, north carolina, carolina yeah. and and yet the the bond there is is strong and the sense of mission and um you you really see god at work in all of it yeah. and i think that's so important because if, if i were playing it's like i want to go out and and through trinity you know and yeah. be sent out that way yeah. and i think that's really important too so that's an endorsement we don't have social media i can mention but <laughs> learn about trinity yeah, Amen. Uh, TrinityFellowshipChurches.com. Oh, there we go. Well, we yeah, it's not social media, but there's yeah. a website. Uh, Speaking of social media, mm-hmm. you can find Cornfield Theology on yeah. YouTube, Apple Podcast, mm-hmm. Spotify. For the two people who use Google, <laughs> thanks. Amazon Prime, nobody uses that. Uh, but you can find us in all the relevant places. Uh, please like, share, uh, put comments. We love getting comments from you all. Uh, emails uh, in response. We do our best to respond to those. And then if you have topics you'd like us to engage, uh, uh, the other host, Logan, sometimes will join me and we like engaging tough topics and we like to think well about the intersection of faith, our faith with things that are going on in the world, mm-hmm. right? And how do we think from a biblical worldview mm-hmm. about how to engage you know, various things? So please like that. Well, Eric, thanks, man, so Thank much. You. Thank you so much. I can't say enough how much you've blessed me and blessed our church. Praise and the I, Lord. And man, over a year of chatting with you has been awesome. I know. And thank I know. God for Signal. Thank you, Signal, the app, please, everyone. Um, Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> for real, for real, download it. <laughs> <laughs> I try to get my wife to download it. Yeah. I even send her the link. She won't. I'm like, come on. It's secure messaging. It's secure messaging. Encryption. All right. God bless everyone. And uh, peace out. Bye. 
You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org.